0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of myspecialmortgage.com. It's time for Distractions
1: with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Well, Chatty, Aaron Rodgers, our boy Aaron Rodgers in the news recently talking about how taking ayahuasca in the mountains of Peru, led to the best season of his career. Um, it was uh, on a he podcast. <laughs> he certainly was, um, or he was low. Depends on how you you look at it. He was he was interviewed on a podcast. Uh, internet wellness guru Aubrey Marcus. There's a whole kind of cottage industry of like internet motivators. <laughs> you know what I mean, guys? Uh-huh. He like wake up at 4 a.m. and then eat some raw elk and then take a like a sound bath, and then you know, sit in the sauna, and then you're ready for your day.
0: Well, no, no, sorry, I forgot. I got to make my bone broth first because that's going to be a massive part of my lunch. Right,
1: yes. and it, it is the it's the Joe Rogan, it's the Rogan Bros. Right, a little bit of the Rogan Bros. I mean, Rogan is a big proponent of DMT, which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. Now, ayahuasca is an indigenous plant med- medicine, indigenous to South American um, cultures, and it's been kind of co opted and brought. To America and done in a lot of these like hip cities and stuff. It happens a lot in LA where they have these ayahuasca ceremonies and it happens out here as well. And a lot of folks are, are credit that with really getting in touch with themselves, of kind of, uh, you know, facing their demons. And for Aaron Rodgers, it taught him to unconditionally love himself. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers said, It's only in that unconditional self love then that I'm able to truly be able to be unconditionally. Loving others. And what better to work? What better way to work on my mental health than to have an experience like that? Um, the greatest gift I can give my teammates, Aaron said, in my opinion, is to be able to show up and to be someone who can model unconditional love to them. I mean, obviously, it's important I play well and show up and lead and all that stuff. They won't care about what you say until you show them how much you care. Now... He talked about pancha karma last year, yep. and, and, and 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 you know. Describe
0: the pancha karma uh, process, please. I think for he it.
1: blasted uh, ghee butter up as hoo ha. Right, uh, that's I what think that's
0: what he pancha did. Pancha karma is just a fun phrase, but once you break down the actual act, uh, I'm losing that's some of the fun. That's a salt, brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, the ayahuasca is a combination of a couple plants, like cooked down into a juice that you drink in a ceremonial. Um, Situation, kind of like situational football, kind of like two minute drill. Right, right. This one, you're sitting on a mat, you're drinking this juice, and you're vomiting into a bucket. Now, not everybody vomits. It depends on how clean your diet is. But what they encourage you to do is really clean up your diet in advance of it. No salt, no sugar, no fat, none of that stuff, so that you don't have like a like a uh, an intense purge. But some people will purge anyway. So you got to picture Aaron Rodgers, right? Long hair in Peru, sitting in a yurt somewhere, drinking ayahuasca and puking in a bucket and thinking about his life in psychedelic ways and coming back better, stronger mentally. And he said it led to the best season of his career. My question to you, Chad, is it the ayahuasca that made him better at football? Or was he just getting better at football because he plays a lot of it?
0: Well, he's played a long time, and obviously experience is the best teacher, so uh, I don't want to give the ayahuasca too much credit, nor do I want to take away the influence of ayahuasca. I think if you can cleanse the windows of perception and see yourself in a brand new way, uh, that's always good for almost every single person. Uh, So how you get there, how you achieve that window cleansing is going to be different for every person. Uh, Can you go up to Red Rocks and meditate as the sun comes up, and is that going to be enough for you to cleanse your windows of perception and see yourself in a brand new new way. Hey, that may work for some people for Aaron Rodgers, Yeah. You get on the plane, you go to Peru, you visit some shaman and you have your ayahuasca ceremony. I know there's uh, folks who go to Costa Rica every couple of months and put on ayahuasca ceremonies for people here in the States who all fly down and participate in that kind of thing. So I'm not one to push back on that kind of thing. I, I, I like expanding your mind and expanding your visions any way that you can, maybe not any way that you can, uh, any way that's not going to be harmful to yourself. Uh, uh, but I think as a football player, to speak specifically about Aaron Rodgers, the better that you know yourself, the better football player you can be. If you're not a confident person, it's hard to be a confident football player. If you are unsure of who you are as a person and what's your motivation and all that you know, psychology kind of stuff, that shows up on the football field. The best players I've ever been around for the most part are extremely confident people, maybe even to the point of overconfidence, and they've got a great, tremendous belief in themselves, and they genuinely like themselves.
1: But Is it like the, the more you get to know yourself, the more confident you become? Or the more you get to know yourself, the more, like, maybe... Not confident, you be isn't a lot of the confidence that these guys have out here ignorance about the fact that they are human beings and they're not Superman. Don't you have to kind of feel like you're an invincible like uh, superhero to come out here and do this like the Richie Tenenbaum thing? You ever seen the Royal Tenenbaums? Yes. He gets to know himself, and then he sits down on the tennis courts and starts picking flowers because right. he's at, having an existential dilemma. Right? Is there? Do you run that risk when you go too far into the self?
0: Uh, <laughs> I think if you go too far into self uh, and begin to ponder too much. Football can begin to ring hollow because it is a game and it's just entertainment. So, while you're uh, you got a little bit of blinders on that keep you focused on the game, yeah, you can pour yourself into it and have all kinds of tremendous passion. But since I played until uh, I was in year 15, until I was 37 years old, uh, as time goes on, your perspective shifts and you realize there is more to life than this game that I've been playing since I was six years old. And, yeah. People think of me as as awesome and I'm a celebrity, but really, i entertain you for a couple hours on Sunday. I'm not advancing the cause of humankind. I'm not making any earth-shattering scientific discoveries that are changing the way the planet rotates or feeding millions of people. I'm not doing anything like that. i make you get up off your couch and cheer on Sunday. Woo, big whoop-de-doo. So I think yeah, if you go too deep down that rabbit hole, you can shift your perspective so much that you lose your connection to the game.
1: Yeah, do you think the unconditional self-love that Rogers was feeling contributed to him... The last three years, getting bounced from the playoffs after the first game. And he didn't seem to care much. Right. Because he was ready to go back to Peru, right? Right. He had his bags packed. He had the yurt all set up. This guy was ready. He had the tattoo. You know, have you seen his tattoo? Yeah. Uh, That's an ayahuasca-induced tattoo. I think so. That's a vision that one can only get under the influence (laughs) of some strong psychedelics. I wonder, though, does that make you connect more with your teammates? Like, with, with this group of men right here in front of us, if we all took them to Peru right now, and had them go through a three-day ayahuasca retreat and come back on the field, would this be a better football team or a worse football team?
0: I think if you did any kind of retreat uh, and you had a team bonding experience, you come back better from that. Uh, Would it be the ayahuasca or would it be the bonding experience of all participating in something together and all trying to gain similar insights to each other? You know, I've never taken ayahuasca. Uh, I gotta admit, I'm absolutely curious. Um, but at the same time, uh, for this football team to answer your question specifically, uh, yeah, any retreat would be useful. Uh, so I would say yes. To answer your question, Ayahuasca retreat, this football team comes back tighter, more bonded with a deeper empathy and understanding for each other.
1: One thing you don't want is to be pulled into an experience like that. You want to feel called to go and do it. When you feel called to go and do it and you do it, that then it's the right time. If someone drags you into an experience like that or you do it because you think it's cool or that's what you know, Aubrey Marcus or the brotivators on the internet are telling you to go do, you may be in for a long dark, miserable experience that does not bear fruit in your life. I've seen people in Los Angeles. I lived there for a while before moving back here and, and, and moving back to Earth. But when, I, <laughs> when I lived in L.A., there were a ton of people who were just you know, searching, searching, disenchanted with life and wanted to find something deep down into them, inside of them, that made them uh, feel like they had a purpose. And so they chose ayahuasca. And I, I saw some people after they came back from a two or three day ayahuasca retreat and looked like, like they'd been dragged behind a bus for 48 miles <laughs> wow. and, had, and had a vacuous look in their eyes like they had, they, something had been taken from them. and uh, And nothing has been taken from Orlando. Um, something's been given to him, and that's style. That's Andrew Mace style. He just walked up, and he is really taking this Mace Fit Friday to a an- okay, so, so you probably were called to that, this person. You were probably introduced to it by somebody who, uh, who, who you trust, and you felt moved to that in your life because of whatever your life had in store for you. But for people to drag you into it, like if we took everybody on this team and were like, you're doing ayahuasca, like 20% of them, maybe more, it wouldn't be good at all. They would actually have to face things that they didn't want to face. Like Sometimes we push things down into our psyche because we don't want them up and because it's not productive to lay them, lay them out on the table in front of us and address these demons in our lives. Sometimes it's good to let bygones be bygones, let sleeping bears, dogs, sleeping dogs lie, don't poke the bear, whatever the metaphor is. Ayahuasca makes you poke the bear, wake the sleeping dog, and pull the demons out into the light not always a good thing
0: all right we got uh, troy rank he's coming up uh next we can ask him about his experiences on ayahuasca <laughs> that's next live from uc health training center elite sportsbook presents training camp 2022 ready to ride here's chad and nate We welcome in Troy Rank, our Denver 7 Broncos insider, presented by ROX, Rocks, Heating, and Air. Troy, Nate and I were just talking about Aaron Rodgers' ayahuasca experience. Said it made him a better football player. Uh, Was yesterday's practice, the tempo, the full pads, was that Russell Wilson's ayahuasca experience? Because we saw the best of what we've seen Russell so far in training camp yesterday. Yeah, I don't think you can test positive for throwing a bomb either, so that's good. <laughs> he
2: had his signature moment yesterday that passed to Cortland Sutton that then set up the touchdown to Trey Quinn. It was third and 15 at one point in that drive. He had an 11-yard completion to Jerry Judy. And then the play, what was so impressive, Chad and Nate, about the play to Cortland Sutton, because I asked Hackett about this afterward, are they scripted plays, or how are you working this? Even a two minutes, you could still script it yep. in a sense because you kind of know the defense. I said no. It's a collaboration. They have a list of plays. Russell gets to the line of scrimmage, he can go with what he wants. And, you know, this offense at times over the last few years has been more conservative than Rush Limbaugh. And so to see a guy on fourth and four with a game on the line, even in practice, go deep to Cortland Sutton, I loved it. And that was his signature play. I haven't worried about Russell Wilson because he's got such a padded resume, of nine-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. I'm not going to worry about it until I see it in a real game. But that moment yesterday... Chad was his signature moment so far in camp. I mean, it's early, but that was a signature moment in camp. That's the Russell Wilson that I've seen throughout the years is when it matters most, he plays his best.
1: I always like the idea of going deep on fourth down. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, and you go deep, a couple good things can happen for you. You can get a P.I. call. If they intercept the ball, it's like a punt, right? So Tim Patrick tore his ACL a couple days ago. Huge void left on this team, Troy. How did you see those receivers stepping up yesterday to fill that void? And who do you see kind of stepping in
2: to his leadership role and his production role on the field? Well, the leadership role will be Corland Sutton. He's the most veteran guy in the room. And he's assumed some of that leadership, but let's not let's not – underestimate the loss of Tim Patrick. He's a tough SOB. He's the heart and soul of that room. His story is not unlike yours, Mornay, where he's just battled. He went from being cut multiple times as a special teams guy, and then he becomes their best receiver the last two years. They're going to miss Tim Patrick. Even Take the production out of They're going to miss him. He'll be around, but they're going to miss him. But... Corlin Sutton has to step up, and be the leader of the room. That's number one. And the pathway is set for Jerry Judy. There's you've talked about on the show, uh, Nate. Is there there's nobody in front of him now. He's the the clear number two. He's gonna get more targets, he's gotta produce. And then at three, that's where we don't know what that's gonna look like. Is that KJ Hamler? Is that Albert Okawebinam, especially against certain teams where he gets into the middle of the field? Is it Okawebinom and Greg Dolchich? Is it Amantrell Washington? You know, I, I don't know that yet, but Somebody's going to have to replace that. In theory, it would be Sutton and Judy getting the bulk of it with a tight end and or Hamler as the X-Factor certain weeks
0: for me. Uh, with the injuries to Tim Patrick, but also let's add Tyree Cleveland into that. Let's add Kendall Hinton into that. There's an opportunity for some of these young guys in the wide receiver room, a guy like Trey Quinn, Seth Williams, Maltra Washington, uh, have you seen anybody of those guys step forward to kind of fill the void with the three guys being out right now in that wide receiver
2: room? Well Montreal Washington has opened eyes. Now again, I haven't seen it in the game and this is practice and some of the tempos are not exactly uh are going 150 here. We're going slower, but Montreal Washington is open to eyes because we knew coming into camp he's the front runner to win the punt return job. That's something we have to see under the lights in the stadium, at night, like catching NFL punts. So you don't so – I, I, when people say, oh, he's automatically going to make the big team as a punt returner, just pump the brakes. we got to see it. I believe in him. But he has stepped up, and he's getting involved in first-team reps. He's made plays. And it's that old saying, when you get an opportunity, you have to make plays. They're not always perfect, and it's not always fair. But when you get your one or two shots, you've got to make play. he's done that so far. He's impressed. Uh, Brandon Johnson is another name, a kid who's who's got the length and size of a Patrick, who's all he did was kind of catch touchdowns at UCF. I have a soft spot for him because it's dad's Charles Johnson, who was the former catcher of the Rockies. I covered Charles back in the day. So I uh, I'm rooting for Brandon to make it even if it's on the practice squad. Is, my, is,
1: how's he doing out there? He, he's
2: done well again. He's not limited getting limited opportunities. Limited right? opportunities. Yep. Like, Montreal Washington's been in with the first team. Trey Quinn's made play. They just signed Darius Shepard. The taller guy, Seth Williams, looks the part of a Tim Patrick physically, but it never clicked last year for him, in part because he wasn't working on special teams the way they wanted to work. Can he be that guy in year two? He was a player at Auburn now. I mean, a lot of these guys are played, but he was a big-time player at Auburn. Can he take advantage of it? I haven't seen that yet. Size-wise, he and Johnson profile more like Tim Patrick and Shepard and Quinn and Montrell Washington profile more like the slot guys like K.J. Hamler.
1: So one of the positions of need over the last couple of years and what we've been talking about going into the draft is they got to draft an inside linebacker, right? They need some big body down in there to solidify things in the middle. Uh, they didn't go after a high-priced guy. They didn't go after a free agent. They didn't draft the guy high. They seemed comfortable with who they have, and that's Josie Jewell. And is it Jonas Griffith Jones. is the starter right now? He's the starter Obviously, right Alex Singleton was also brought in, who was a, a, a tackling machine in Philly. What have you seen out of those guys in that position in particular so far in camp?
2: Well, again, Josie Jewell last year, everyone talks about he was having a career year. Unfortunately, it was six quarters. Right. So he was having a career six quarters. Yeah, I mean, I think that is fair. you got to understand the sample size. But he looks better. He's moving better. He made a nice play in the passing game a couple days ago. I can't remember now. They're bleeding together Jumped up, leaped up, tipped a pass. We didn't see that. Instinctually, he seems, and Chad to talk to me about this, where he understands what offenses are trying to do to him better. So I'm not saying he's faster, but when you understand what's happening, when you have good instincts, you look faster because yep. you're in the right spot sooner. So he he's a guy they love. They love Josie Jewell because he calls the plays. He's kind of that that rudder in the middle. And Jonas Griffith, the bonus Jonas. He's not in the Jonas Brothers, but he's the bonus Jonas. He is uh, he's athletic, and they haven't had a sideline to sideline guy since they had Brandon Marshall and um, God escaping me, Danny Trevatha. They haven't had sideline to sideline guys. Jonas Griffith's got some of that when they got him last year. He was 226. He was listed at 258. Wow. He told me he got here as 226 because he was more of a special teams guy. Now he's roughly 240, a solid 240. I like what I've seen. So now, look. again, Alex Singleton could beat him out. He's a tackling machine. The best team, though, would be Jonas Griffith starting and Alex Singleton anchoring your special teams. So,
1: real quick, um, last year Baron Browning was in the middle, right? And he, and then they moved him outside. And I thought he showed some flashes being able a guy who could go sideline to sideline.
2: Are those guys similar players, Baron Browning and Jonas Griffith, size-wise and skill-wise? I mean, Browning's, a, for me, a little bigger. I mean, and it may not be in weight, but he just looks a little thicker, his body type. But they like him outside. And you, asked, you, you brought up a great question why they didn't go get anyone in free agency or the draft at inside, in part because if it were to fail at outside or they needed depth, uh, they could move Browning back inside. Right. So you've got Singleton and Browning. That's why they feel they're covered. I don't know that that's the ideal plan, but they feel like they've got an escape hatch. If things get weird, you could bring Browning back to the inside because he didn't, and I've got to talk to Baron about this, but it didn't look like he changed his body type dramatically to go play outside. He looks similar to the guy I saw last year because sometimes guy adds weight or loses a ton of weight. He looks similar, So and he played it last year. I thought he played it well. I, I didn't want to move him. They believe in this new scheme with the way Griffith was advancing, they're a better team if Barron's
0: outside and Jonas Griffith's inside. It's been kind of hard to evaluate players out here because it hasn't been very much real football out of yesterday, Troy. Uh, But one of the guys who stood out to me all camp long, has been Pat Sertan. Um, Obviously, we know what great cornerback play he is here in Denver due to a guy who's wearing a gold jacket, Champ Bailey. Uh, So talk about Pat's camp and what you're seeing from from him in year
2: two. Well, the thing that jumps out, Chad, is he's the same size as Justin Simmons. I mean, he might be heavier. Justin told me, Justin plays between like 203 and 207. Pat Sertan's like 205. And one of them's a corner. He's fluid. I've said this. He's more polished than pledge. He makes his his ability and how how good he is fundamentally is striking for a great player. Cause you guys know you've grown up with guys and play with guys. They're so good, their fundamentals a lot of times are Correct. just awful. Because they can get away with everything. Yeah. Because they can make up with it on pure talent. Well at this level it starts to level out. There's a few guys who can still get away with just talent. It's like the one percentile. Pat is crazy talented, a freak, as Garrett Bowles told me. Yet he has unbelievable technique. And where you see that, Chad, and you would appreciate this, is recovery speed. And how if he makes a mistake, he still gets back on the ball and makes a play or he's right there. It's not like, oh, he got beat and it's a score. He got beat. He gets, even if he gets beat within a play, I've seen him get back and win the play. And he's had his way with Cortland Sutton for the most part. I mean, they've moved. The big play yesterday with Sutton was against Derby, yep. and he has a huge size advantage. S- Sertan, against anyone in camp, has been Sertan winning it. So, to me, he's been the best player in camp so far. He and Justin Simmons, uh, eventually for them to get where they want to go, their best player has to be Russell Wilson. Uh, that's the NFL. But Pat Sertan, I mean, I don't know if it's all pro this year it's second year, but I'd be shocked if he's not a pro bowler, an easy pro bowler this year.
1: The last two camps, Camp Darling has been Two camps in a row, Jerry Judy. Yeah. When everyone else out here was dragging ass and, oh, we don't know who's really looking good, Jerry Judy was always the one who was raising eyebrows. He hasn't been that player
2: thus far in this camp. Why do you think that is and what's going on with Jerry? Well, if you look at their history, Nate, when they've had Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and Judy on the field, Judy and... Sutton have never found a way to be productive when they're on the field at the same time in two years. Some of it was injury-related a couple years ago. Last year, the second half of the season, I mean, Sutton had like 25 catches over the last 10 games, and then Judy, the targets. So the answer to me was he was struggling to find his fit at times. And then in camp, he's been inconsistent at times because like, they might go away from him for a, for a while because you've got Sutton and you've got Patrick. Now that's not an issue. You've got one guy in Sutton, and then the clear number two is Judy. I know Russell Wilson has taken him under his wing. They have done everything to facilitate him finally, you know, kind of figuring it out this year. I've remained bullish on Judy, but let's be honest, guys. This is the year. If he doesn't produce this year, then he's not a number one receiver. If this is the year, would, he has to do it. Do you think they would move on from Jerry Judy? They might because of the money. As he starts to make more money, you're already paying Sutton and Patrick. And so there gets to a point where you're not going to pay three receivers. You might get to where, okay, Judy has a good year, make him do it one more year, and then as you pay him, then Patrick's contract expires. But if he's going to get paid, uh, Nate, he's got to play at a level which is like, you know, 75 catches, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He's got to be that kind of guy. He can't be throwing out 650 700 yards and get paid like he just doesn't happen and the talent is there but we say that a lot but a lot of guys now it's time to prove it i talked to jerry multiple times this offseason he's ready he, he's ready but we got to see it we got to see it it's just like i don't want to hear about it, i want
0: to see it and that's where he's at in his career great stuff as always joy really appreciate it my friend yeah good seeing you guys take care thanks All right sure. yeah. Uh, That was Troy Rank, our Broncos 7 insider, presented by ROX, Rocks, Heating, and Air. Uh, More sights and sounds from camp. That's next.
1: Bonneville, live from UC Health Training Center, Elite
0: Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Our analysis of Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride, is presented by Elite Sportsbook. Uh, The Tempo of practice today, much slower than yesterday. No pads today, so kind of that jog-through, walk-through thing again, getting these guys a day to recover before another what I expect to be a spirited padded practice tomorrow.
1: Man, I'm looking up, and all I see is Andrew Mason. Yes. (laughs) I see 10... Twelve Andrew Masons here, faithfully very dedicated to this Andrew Mason fit Friday. Um, yeah, you talked about it, man. These guys are not in pads today. It's going to be a mental day. But they are actually going through these drills. Um, not half speed. You know, they're pushing through it a little bit. Greg Dulcich out here again. I think that's a really good sign. He started off camp watching in sweats because of that hamstring. Well, he's been out here the last several days. He was in yesterday. He caught a touchdown from Russell Wilson. So I think the fact that number 80 is out there is a really good sign for that unit and for this offense.
0: Yeah, uh, I mentioned earlier there's more than just Tim Patrick out in the wide receiver room. Uh, Tyree Cleveland is out as well. And uh, who else am I missing? Kendall Hinton. Those two guys are missing time today and yesterday. So uh, this is an opportunity uh, for these five rookies in that 13-man wide receiver room to step up and try to earn themselves a spot, maybe not on the active roster, but at least on practice squad.
1: I have not seen this many bad Hawaiian shirts since uh, <laughs> since my first luau. I there, there's a lot. How many? Do you see? Like DMAC, we got DMAC in front of us. Obviously, Andrew Mason, Kevin Kissinger wearing the shirt. We got Mike Evans. We got Sandy Club. We got Tyler Columbus. We got Scrappy Will. We got James Maryland. We got Richie. We got wow, Orlando right uh, oh my gosh, Raj is even here he's made an appearance. Raj has been back at the studio, uh, but he's here he 's here right now, wearing some sort of well some sort of flowery shirt it's it 's a dark well he's behind like three other shirts now, so I can 't see him so but we are well represented here in this moment. Mike Evans has his notebook behind his back, his pen he's taking notes, and Andrew Mason has inspired this, so uh, we're happy to have him around. This
0: is pretty cool. well, thirteen receivers in the Broncos wide receiver room. 13 of the fan staff dressed up here <laughs> yeah. in Hawaiian shirts as homage to our boy Andrew Mason. His uh, training camp attire has inspired the Mace Fit. Friday, A lot of fun. We've had a little bit of a reggae Friday as far as the sounds on our show, but it is a Mace Fit Friday out here at Broncos training camp day nine. You
1: know what, though? Uh, There's one guy, one guy from the fan, standing off, uh, leaning against the building over there. He's got a show coming up next. He is not participating. He's just wearing a T-shirt and ball cap and leaning on the wall. Who do you think that is?
0: Ah, oh, come on, Stoke, play the game. Stoke, play the game. I told him, i like, your
1: shirt? He just, like, he just shook his head and walked off.
0: Now, uh, I have to admit, <laughs> l- last night, I'm not one to, to you know, want to go out in public looking a little crazy. Um, looking a little crazy. Is this your example of looking, looking a, little a little crazy? Cra- for me, for me, because I'm looking a little crazy. I had to go through all my shorts and find the, uh, the biggest shorts. Typically, my shorts are a little bit of a slim cut. But, again, an homage to Mace. I had to go with the baggiest fit shorts I had. Uh, Richie Carney bought me a nice Hawaiian shirt to wear and a bucket hat. Uh, Yeah, this is what you do when you're a part of a team. Whether you're in a locker room and you poke fun at each other, you have your rookie days and rookie shows and all that, and you're on the fan, now you have a Mace Fit Friday. You get dressed up and you feel a little silly and you have some fun.
1: That's right. I I can't take credit for this shirt either. Richie texted both of us and picked up the shirt for both of us. I do have the bucket hat, though. It was from my old playing days here. So back in the day um, when I was a special teamer with the Broncos, after every game, if you had a decleater or a tackle or something that kind of showed up on the stat sheet, the next week, the night before the game, they would throw out hats, beanies, shirts. Coach Shanahan would do this in the meeting. He'd go, Chad Brown two D-cleaters, two tackles, and you get to choose whether you want a hat, a beanie, or a shirt. He'd have them all in front of us. And you go, beanie, and then he'd throw you a beanie across the room. And It was one of those incentives for being a special teamer. I have all sorts of DBST gear. I got a DBST couple beanies, a couple of these bucket hats, shirts, and stuff like that. So that's part of the way that you incentivize special teams is you make it, you know, you, little perks like that. And then you wear those with pride. Yeah, You know, like I still have pride when I put on my DBST gear. I feel like like I was part of a unit, something special and you know, we'd be in there earlier than everyone, we'd be there later than everyone, we'd be out to practice earlier than everyone. We're working harder than everybody else, but you got to you got to find a way to make these guys care about what they're doing on special teams. And I think, you know, having practice or having special teams practice periods in the middle of practice is part of that. I was standing next to Dmac Couple days ago, watching practice, and they, you know, stopped an offensive drill and they did a punt drill. And he's like, Psst. "Oh God, here we go." Why? I was, if you can't figure this out, what are you doing out here? What are you
0: even doing?
1: Coach, so, coach, 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 to Josh Allen? I mean, Russell Wilson. So, coach, yeah, to Josh Allen? Coach, <laughs> nah, but uh, it's uh, it's one of those days. Look, it was a hard day yesterday, soft day today. Hard day tomorrow, so even the rule of three is being changed to a rule of one-on, one-off. When is their next day off? Do you know that? Sunday. Sunday's day off? Yes. And so they're going to go back to the one hard, one soft, one hard for three days in a row? Is that what they're going to do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Uh, I'd imagine Because the day- a friend of mine, and I don't know if he's listening right now, was thinking about bringing his son to a practice on Tuesday. And I want to make sure that he comes on a day when they're actually hitting.
0: My guess would be Tuesday would be a hard day because Wednesday will go back to uh, recovery day, as they call it. Uh, So I won't call it a soft day. I'll call it a recovery day because Thursday will be the practice with the Cowboys. Right, right. So it's hard to imagine them having a hard, physical, tough day before they go into the joint practice with the Cowboys on Thursday. And that game is Saturday, so you need to take Friday off kind of a rest, recovery, polish-up day, and then uh, play the game on Saturday night. So looking forward to all of that next week. There will be pads tomorrow. Uh, I think there will be some banging tomorrow. So if you're looking for a day to come out and enjoy some real football, I anticipate that uh, happening out here on this field uh, tomorrow.
1: Yeah, the hill is actually looking pretty good today, but tomorrow it's going to be full. So if you want to get here tomorrow, get here pretty early.
0: The doors open what time? Um, Uh, 10 o'clock. So tomorrow will be a longer practice. Uh, Thursday, yesterday was uh, ten a.m. to twelve thirty. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, Saturday will be the same schedule, ten to twelve thirty. So longer practice definitely will be hot. Uh, they'll be in pads. So they are beginning to get round themselves into full football kind of practices that are more, a little bit more recognizable for all us. No, we're not jealous. Old guys.
1: Yeah, the old guys who are used to a sense of urgency, not enough hours in a day. We got to get all the reps we can, as many practices as we can. They already put restrictions on them. And, you know. And, and and look, the coaches were always fighting back against the restrictions put on them by the CBA, right? Right. We got to be able to practice more. They're not letting us practice enough. Well, it, it doesn't seem like this this coach is fighting against the CBA. It's probably probably, um, you know, thinks it's a good idea and is trying to take care of these guys' bodies. So, uh, mental day to day, But let's see if we can see anything today that actually we can learn from. There are a couple guys who aren't in helmets. I saw Ronald Darby getting a vet day over there, so some young DBs getting a chance to show at least that they know where they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, Kareem Jackson took a vet day yesterday. You're allowed 15 padded practices here in the preseason uh, phase of of the football season per the CBA. They're not going to get to that. Yeah, uh, I don't think they will get to that. The Minnesota Vikings with Kevin O'Connell, brand new coach out there. They're only going to have 11 padded practices when they have the opportunity to have 15. So Coach Hacking is not alone own in this uh, less is more as far as pads and, and physical full-speed work. So we'll have to see how this all plays out. I think next Thursday is going to be a great test, seeing them on the same field as the Dallas Cowboys, what pace the uh, the Cowboys practice at versus what pace the Broncos practice at. We'll have more sights and sounds from training camp coming up next, but first got to do this uh, team picture, 13 dudes in Hawaiian shirts. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents... Training Camp 2022, ready to
1: ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Step it
2: up,
0: step it up. Out. <laughs> a little Reggae Fridays for you. It's also a Mace Fit Friday. We just took our Andrew Mason Fit photo. Uh, Thirteen of the fan staff and our. Best Hawaiian shirts, giving her honor and homage to our boy Mace. Uh, Broncos practicing right in front of us, going through a team period. No pads today. A little bit of a slower tempo, but not quite a walkthrough. I'd say it's a, a, it's a jog through. It's a, it's, a, it's a fast jog through today. It's a fast jog through.
1: Yeah. So uh, I do. I do want to clarify some because I talked about coming in tomorrow and what time. You know, what time the gates open and, and he'll open. Someone clarifying the gates for the public parking opens at 8. The gate to the hill opens at 9. So if you want a good seat down there the hill, you come a little earlier, uh, closer to 9. You get to sit where you want, and then practice starts at 10.
0: Okay, a little bit of a trick play out there from the Broncos. Uh... Something interesting. I think it's that point in camp where you kind of start installing those things to keep guys engaged. Trick plays are always fun to, to, to run.
1: What's your favorite trick play, Chad? I know you're not an offensive player, but uh, if you were, what, what kind of trick play you like? Because, hey, the Broncos didn't run any trick plays last year, not one. Not one surprise, not one surprise on side, not one thing you weren't ready for. I think that was. I think that's something you got to do as a coach every once in a while.
0: I'm a fan of a double pass because d- defensively we are taught once a pass occurs, we you know we break up on that. So if it's a, a you're running a lot of those smoke routes, those wide receiver screens, um, and the defense starts to fly up on that as a defensive coordinator, you force them back and respect that with a double route. So if you've got a uh, receiver who can throw? You do a double pass there, something like that, or running back uh, toss that becomes a double pass. Yeah. Go back to the quarterback. We we've seen things like that. Uh, defensively, it goes so counter to your defensive training. Once we've seen the pass, the pass thrown, we are all taken off. There's not a, a single part of your brain that says, "Huh."
2: You know what? Right. Like, it could
0: be a double pass here. I should hang back. Right. No, the pass is thrown. You break on the ball. Right. So it just—it's it, the one that just I find the most difficult to coach against because every time, we, what do they preach defensively? See the ball thrown. Break on the ball. Break on the ball. So that's my favorite because I know what it does to a defense.
1: Yeah, I like the double passes, too. I don't like the double passes to running backs, though, as Sean Moreno comes in. I don't like the pass uh, double passes with running backs because running back can't throw. <laughs> running backs have some of the worst uh, arms on the team. Receivers can't throw. This is not just a receiver bias. Receivers can throw, man. You got guys out there who actually have quarterback type of arms right. strength. So. Letting a receiver uncork it, whether it's a double pass to him or a, or a reverse pass. I like the reverse pass, but uh, letting a receiver throw the football, man, it's always nice. And a lot of those receivers were quarterbacks. Yeah,
0: Antoine Randall, L. Yeah, Heinz Ward, two yeah. Steeler teammates. They certainly had success. Julian Edelman. Th- Julian Edelman with the Patriots so certainly throwing the ball as a wide receiver seems to be a little bit more of a natural skill set. They were smaller pads. Yeah, their shoulders aren't quite as beat up as a running back. Right. But yeah, if you were to line up. The guys who, who could possibly step in as an emergency quarterback, I think for 99% of teams, they're not putting the running back back there. They're going to put a wide receiver there.
1: Well, we we would always have a running back pass in, and it would be funny when we practiced it, the day we practiced it, because all the running backs wanted it. You know, right. they, were, they were lobbying, being like, Coach, I got an arm, man. Put me in there. Let me do it. And then he's like, all right, let's see. And we gave him a shot of practice, and it was always pretty comical. Right. Uh, pretty comical. I don't like the flea flicker. I'm not a big flea flicker guy. Obviously, we saw Pat Shermer right. call one, Melvin Gordon, who didn't practice all week, and it was a disastrous play. Drew Locke was back there. But I'm not a huge fan of the flea flicker. I feel like more often than not, the flea flicker doesn't work.
0: I'm not a flea flicker f- flan, either. <laughs> flan. <laughs> flan. Uh, it's either. Flan. It's flan. A, it's, a uh, it's a lot to say. Um, there's a lot that can go wrong with that play. What uh, about the Statue of Liberty? Uh that's a little old school. It is. But but with all the jet sweeps and all that stuff that's part of the NFL now with all the wide receiver motion, I wouldn't be surprised the Statue of Liberty thing kind of happened. It takes a quarterback who's got really tricky uh you know, hand work with the football to kinda of hand that ball and allow that receiver to come and pluck it from behind him when no one's looking. But, again, I'm going to be a double pass guy. Uh, you can do reverses now with all the jet sweep action. That's such a major part of NFL offenses. That's another way to go. Uh, you know, The throwback I, pass to the quarterback yeah.
1: is always nice because that quarterback can leak out the back yeah. and kind of disappear. No one's tracking him. All of a sudden he's running up the sideline. The only thing you risk there is getting him blown up because the guy throwing it to him isn't. It doesn't do that for a living, and it it's going to maybe lay him out to dry there. you got to be careful your quarterback doesn't catch one. Or uh, drop it
0: like uh, yeah. uh, Tom Brady dropped his opportunity. Yeah, uh, clearly not a very good athlete. <laughs> no, he's not. No. He one of the greatest of all time playing the quarterback position. So is he the greatest quarterback of all time or the greatest football player of all time, Chad? Uh, greatest football player of all time. Uh, I'm going to go Jerry Rice. Same, dude. Uh, I just I, – I gained such an appreciation for Jerry that uh, the year he played with the Seattle Seahawks, obviously I knew and played against him before that and you know knew what kind of player he was. But to see him be able to do that at 42 years old just literally blew my mind. Uh, yeah, Jerry Rice is the greatest football player who's ever strapped it up. You think Dick
1: Butkus would make this roster?
0: Yeah. Ooh, uh, football always evolves in changes, and the old school inside linebacker, I'm not sure if they have the footwork to play in today's game. Uh, from a physical perspective, yeah, Dick Buckus can certainly play. But would he be lost in today's modern passing game? Absolutely, he, he would. Guys like Ray Nitschke and Dick Buckus, yeah, unfortunately, uh, as great as they were in their era, their game does not translate to today's game. What about like Mike Singletary? Uh, I think Iron Mike could do it. Um I like this kind of party. Yeah, uh, I I think Mike uh, Singletary would be able to – he wouldn't be great in the past game, but I think his skill set translates better than those other two guys we mentioned, Nitsky and Buckus.
1: Yeah, it's always interesting to see because the game does evolve. I mean, we're talking about how the practice schedules have evolved. Can you imagine those guys coming to this training camp? I mean, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They used to, but, but part of it, back in the day, the reason why it was so hard is because they didn't have an off-season program. Right. Right? So they showed up six weeks before, had a six-week training camp to get in shape. Six preseason games. They didn't have a personal trainer in, in, in Miami where they're, you know, training there every day and had a personal chef and do They were selling tires. Selling insurance. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They had another job. And these guys just weren't Training the same way, you look at their bodies back then. It's just a different athlete now. So obviously, you have to accept that part of it and and realize you don't have to necessarily get these guys in shape. You got to get them
0: ready for the physical, the physicality. Physicality. There we go. But you don't have to get them in shape. No, you you don't. Uh, This practice continues. On the horn has blown. They've broken up that. uh, Looks like that team period is now moving down to the goal line. Maybe some. Looks like not red zone work, but coming out, some backed-up work as well. Offenses always have to uh, be cognizant. that That's a tricky situation for an offense when you're backed up like that, when the defense, if they're able to stop you or get a turnover, can equally instant, uh, equally, equal, instantly, equal, there we go. Equally instant. Nope instantly equal points for the other team so yet those backed up situations are also very important to rehearse and it's more important than just a a turnover because if you're an offensive lineman you can't hold in the end zone that's automatically a safety so it's very one of those situational things which comes with its own special set of rules that they're getting work on right now
1: and every once in a while you see a, a situation encountered in a football game where the guys the professional football players who do this for a living don't know the rule Right? They don't know that rule. And it happens every... Like, you remember Donovan McNabb was a quarterback, and he didn't know a game uh, could end in a tie. Do you remember that? Yes. So, so there's How embarrassing is that? W- very embarrassing. But, like, there are guys out here who don't know all the rules. There are coaches out here who don't know every single rule. There are so many rules in the game of football. One of the reasons why it's hard to teach it to an adult from Europe. You know, one of the reasons why it's hard to put it in London and have people know what's going on and care what's going on. But what you see today out here with this kind of lower-speed practice is the ability, like Dalton Reisner talked about, of getting so many reps. What we're accustomed to seeing at these practices is about 45 minutes of individual work, drill work. None of that's going on today. They went straight from stretch to teamwork. And so they're getting play after play after play after play. Uh, of reps in this system, that's pretty difficult to master. So you gotta, you gotta appreciate the opportunity to have all these reps that these guys have today, and hopefully the mental part translates to the physical part when the lights
0: come on. Uh, We got a texter from the 720 who says, it's not true that Pat Shermer didn't run trick plays. His favorite was to trick the fans with a jet sweep to Jerry Judy where Judy never got the ball.
1: That was tricky. That had had us all fooled every single time. Uh, Someone says the hook and ladder. The hook and ladder is a good play. It It, is. If you time it up
0: right. Particularly in a uh, two-minute situation where the defense wants to tackle the receiver who catches the ball and get him on the ground to eliminate any extra seconds off the clock. They all focus on the one-pass catcher. That guy flips it out. Yeah, you can catch a defense quite unaware in those circumstances. Like you said,
1: Defenses, see ball, get ball.
0: Yes, we're a little uh <laughs> We're dogs that way, yes. Uh, my Snoopy loves his ball. It's his favorite thing on the earth. As a defensive guy, tackling the guy with the ball is one of my favorite things on the planet as well. That's it for Nate and I wrapping up here at UC Health Training Center. Uh, good show today. Broncos slower pace at practice, but we did have some fun talking to, to Andrew Mason. We did talk to uh, 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 Troy Rank. We talked about ayahuasca and Aaron mm. Rodgers. So yeah. varying wide range. Ranging topics today. We didn't just beat up the fact that uh, this is a practice schedule we haven't seen before in our NFL experience. Heading this thing over to Stoke and Zach. Those cool dudes, they're next.
1: Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand. Presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.